Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Out of Spec podcast. I'm your host, Francie, and we have Kyle on again for another round of Cybertruck details. And today we are talking battery, Cybertruck battery. So as you may or may not know, Tesla never quotes battery size. So when we have to get this information, you know, from other ways. So we've actually gained a lot more information since delivery day on this specific aspect, as well as well as like on a lot of different things for the Cybertruck. Um, and Kyle, yeah, so what do we know so far about the battery? Well, yeah, in this episode, I think it would be great to talk about uh, what we know about the battery, sort of our impressions of its size, its 4680 cell. Perhaps we should do a whole other episode just on the cells, but I want to talk more broad battery. I want to talk what we know about its charging performance. And then, of course, I think maybe it'd be kind of cool to even start just by going through some new uh, documents that were released uh, through public uh, sources on the EPA's website. Now, whenever a new electric car launches, my friend Dominic Yoni, uh, who runs the Batteries Included podcast, and I'm a co-host on there, uh, whenever whenever a new car launches, he and I always get together. We're like, oh, let's find all the details. And in this case, it's pretty... Okay, so we got some great details. We also have some things in there that don't make any sense, and it's clearly uh, dummy data in some cases. Uh, and so I wanted to walk everyone through that and at least provide some context to these new documents, these new testing procedures. So we'll go through all of that. We'll then talk about the competitive set uh, in terms of uh, the Cybertruck's battery pack compared with some of the F-150 Lightning, Silverado EV, Rivian R1T uh, competitors. And then we'll talk, I mean, that's we'll just kind of go from there. I don't know exactly what we'll get into, but it'll be nerdy. Mm -hmm, Right. So the audience may have seen the EPA documents online. We will link them, of course, in the show notes below. And like Kyle said, some of these are dummy figures. So we're going to go into that. But hopefully breaking down what we can get out of these documents can kind of enlighten folks and also show people what to look for if you happen to be doing your own personal sleuthing, but definitely what we're taking away from these. And Tesla did in the beginning back in 2019 
give an estimated range of what the Cybertruck would be able to do, but now they never gave that battery size, like I said. So we'll be able to see kind of what changed over time, hopefully make some inferences. So where do we want to start, Kyle, with these documents? Well, I think well, I'll, I'll load them up here. And let me start by... Um, at least showing how everyone can get to them. Basically, yeah. we'll leave a link, but you go to the EPA's uh, sort of website here, and if you get to uh, this page, this is the page we'll leave linked. It's the Transportation and Air Quality Document Index System. Great all you have nice. to do is come down here, skip all the top stuff, and just type in Cybertruck and hit search. It'll pull up every filing associated with the Cybertruck. For example... Let's just see what some of these are. This should be like uh, some test data, just seeing what else. We have some like actual photos of like pollution stuff. Okay, it just gets crazy and crazy. But the documents we're going to be looking at are both the um, uh, basically the range test documents. And I'll explain what we're going to see and what we're not going to see in a second. But the range test documents of the all wheel drive and the cyber beast. Uh, yeah, this one's the Cyber Beast. The other one's the all-wheel drive. But I also want to start by showing you, and I've pulled up conveniently Model S Plaid. Yep, this is the Tri-Motor Model S car line document here. And this is the official, like, used non-dummy document. So mm-hmm. what I find interesting and what we don't see very often, and of course Tesla knows how to game EPA stuff so they can't release all the data ahead of time. And also, it's it's very possible that um, Cybertruck like hasn't been officially range tested. Um, it's not technically illegal, I don't think, as long as it conforms to certain things for them to go on sale for a period of time before actual testing. And one thing Tesla has going for them that very few automakers have is their own range test certification laboratory. Mm-hmm. And A lot of people don't realize this, but EPA has their own lab, but only a few cars a year are ever actually tested at the EPA. For the most part, automakers self-certify and then submit data to the government because there's so many models and so many cars. And then the EPA just says, okay, we have capacity to test 5, 10, 15 cars. I don't know what the number is uh, a year, and they do those. Um, also for verification or their own testing. The What's really unique about Tesla having their own certification lab is a lab is really expensive, millions of dollars, because you need solar loads, you need temperature controlled, you need offboard battery dischargers, you need obviously ex- very expensive dynos. And it's, a, it's many people's full-time job at every company to prepare the cars for certification testing. And of course, you need the EPA tests and you need WLTP for Europe. And then China has their own, what well, used to be NEDC, but now they have their own drive cycle loop. I don't know what it's called, but they have a bunch of different ones. And even within the EPA uh, testing, there's two main ways an automaker can choose to submit their data. And the first would be a uh, single cycle test or technically a dual cycle test, which is a a city loop. Basically, it's called the urban, it's UDDS. I forget what it stands for, but it's basically the, the city loop and a highway loop. You take those numbers, you weigh them. One is 55% of weight. That's the city. The highway number is 45% of weight. I guess they predict a little bit more city driving than highway. And then you multiply those numbers by a correction factor of uh, multiply times 0.7 to account for environmental loads, aggressive driving, and some other things. 
And so that's how, you know, the majority of cars, just for time's sake, are tested uh, at that correction factor of of 70% of the uh, numbers they got in the actual test. And that's way, sometimes you'll find like, here, let me pull up this Model S document. Tesla doesn't didn't do this dual cycle test, but I'll be able to show you here. Uh, sure. I did look up kind of UDDS as well, in case anyone's curious. Urban Dyn... Dynamometer. <laughs> Dynamometer. Dynam- Why can't I say it? <laughs> Dynamometer. There we go. Nice. <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, what I really loved is that when these went live, everyone was ready to read them. I feel like everyone, you know, last night was reading these as they as they went to bed, which is pretty fun, at least in the really nerdy side of things. So yeah, I stayed up all night browsing everything. It was great. I love this stuff, but there wasn't that much in the Cybertruck. I mean, it literally only took me 20 minutes just to read it. But then I was like thinking about how we're going to do this podcast. And I just thought nerd fest. Um, And Kyle, just tell me really quick when you say dummy figures. Yeah. What do you mean? No figures. We don't know those at all. No figures. Just lack thereof. Yeah, very, very few. There's, they had to do, I guess, a couple actual ones. So they released, um, trying to think, they released a 50, I don't actually remember. There's a couple figures that we can try and find, but for the most part, not. And I don't even really want to make this podcast all about the EPA cert documents. Once we get the full non-dummy finger one, we're going to go through and nerd out about everything. I don't know what to believe and what not, but I do at least want to make our audience aware of how range is typically calculated. Yeah. So I've, I've pulled up here. This is the Model S tri-motor. Uh, is it the 21-inch wheel? Charge-depleting UDDS. So this is the city test. Mm-hmm. And it started at 100%, and it goes until the car stops get moving. And you can see it says, charge-depleting range, calculated miles, 459. So okay. the Model S doesn't have a 459-mile range rating. But in this particular case, uh, it did 459 miles in this drive cycle. Mm-hmm. Tesla runs the uh, multi-cycle test. So that's the UDDS. Here's the highway test. You can see it did 443 miles mm-hmm. on the highway. Um, what's interesting is they actually make you put how many kilowatt hours it was, it was sent from the EVSE to the charge port. Gotcha. Um, and that's 116, which we all know the battery pack in Model S is closer to 100 to 105 kilowatt hours. And mm-hmm. so there's losses in transmission, which are actually mm-hmm. calculated out here, which I think it's interesting they make you show all that because mm-hmm. it's also down to the equipment you're using to recharge slightly. It definitely is. Uh, and you can see in this case, it actually only recharged 109 kilowatt hours. And then this is charge depleting in 20 degree Fahrenheit. You can see the range was really bad in this one, 290 miles. Uh, but what, what you're able to do when you do the multi-cycle test, uh, just in general, is you can create your own correction factor, or at least you can uh, have a less aggressive correction factor. So some Tesla models have like, I don't actually know off offhand what they are, but I've seen as high as like, um, 0.75 or 0.8 or 0.81. So now you can take your range number and you can use 81% of that number instead of 70 and the multi-cycle test. The multi-cycle test is more aggressive on the car in general um, because it focuses more on acceleration runs. There's a um, a US... Uh, why am I blanking on the name of this? I literally was just talking to someone about US... Doo, 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 which is a really acceleration-intensive uh, drive loop. And I'm don't US, see it here. Do, do, do. Yeah, US06. Don't know why I okay. couldn't remember that. Um, and US06 is like hard throttle, lots of stuff. And so, you know, this is a pretty aggressive one. And you have to basically 
you know, submit your correction factors for your dyno, submit your coast down data, EPA and the automaker put in all their data and they get the numbers. That's how it's typically done. So this is where you can see actual ratings from, you know, the, the tests that were done. The car was cycled many times to create the EPA test. There's a lot of charging, discharging, full charging, draining the battery. And typically mm-hmm. you'll find this is done on cars with um, anywhere between 1,500 and 4,000 miles on the odometer. In this case, it was done with 2,075 miles on the odometer okay. of the in the case of this Model S. And that was purely because you want stuff to break in. You don't want mm-hmm. to do this on a fresh car. You got to let everything bed in and get everything nice and going. So that's just one little thing I've noticed reading through documents over the years. There's a couple things that I thought were interesting. Tell me about And I think um, the, the first comes down, to, we'll get into the battery here in just a second because this is where we see it. Uh, but on every listing of Cybertruck, including the Beast, I'm just pulling up the tri-motor version, they list the truck with having three permanent magnet motors. Mm-hmm. Which is, is not accurate. Than what we were talking about, right? Because we were talking induction and permanent magnet on both versions. This is where, like, some of the dummy stuff, like maybe when we get the actual filing, they'll lay all this out. Um, Model S Plaid does have three permanent magnet motors. That's the only Tesla product to be only permanent magnet, other than their rear wheel drive offerings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think it won't be long until we get the actual testing data Updated on testing. these. Yep, I, I think it should be weeks. A brief, brief divergence from this is that we did have some comments about the motor where there was some people were wanting clarification on the actual motor setup. And maybe it's coming. I don't know if it's coming from this, but folks were like, well, is it induction in the front, induction in the back or, uh, you know, or the rear permanent magnet motor is what we said for the all wheel drive and the induction motor in the front. Are we still sure that that's the case? Yeah, I mean, we, we had Tesla had literal motors on display that we saw. And Drew Baglino, their head of powertrain, uh, commented directly to us the, the powertrain setup. I, I think it's worth not reading into these dummy documents too much on that topic. There's no way it's three-phase permanent magnet on all uh, versions. And there was also a lot of dummy data, like you can read some of their submission stuff that I was going through yesterday. A lot of it says 400-volt topics when we know the Cybertruck operates in an 800-volt state most of the time. So mm-hmm. again, th- it's just early days. I think it was just enough to get in. It does cause some confusion, even with me, because I'm like, who do we believe right. and what's true and what's not? Uh, but I think it, it. my impression is everything we've reported on so far, at least, and what generally everyone thought what was shown at the delivery event, what Drew confirmed, that there's no reason to not believe that at this point, uh, okay. just because none of these documents are totally confirmed. Right. What That's is totally interesting, mm-hmm. and it is the first time we actually have some confirmation, is the battery pack capacity and nominal voltage. Okay. So typically on these documents, uh, the total voltage of battery packs would be the nominal number. Now, mm-hmm. it could... It would never be a, they would never list a full charge voltage here. Only GM kind of confuses us with stuff like that. But essentially, this is the way Tesla always does it. This is the nominal voltage of the battery pack, which means around mid charge, it's 816 volts, which okay. is high. That's great. Mm-hmm. That means on a full charge, it might be 860 or 850 at 100%. Mm-hmm. 
and dead, it's going to be mid sevens perhaps. Mm-hmm. So this thing might have a 750 to 850 volt plus or minus operating range, which is really nice. It's right. much higher than Tycon, a little bit lower than Lucid, higher than G- EGMP. Um, this is a really high voltage car. Mm-hmm. Uh, no and way around it. We've been talking about that 1,000 volt architecture for the, um, I mean, in terms of public charging as well, especially with Tesla and their superchargers that are coming in. So we're seeing, we, we had some guesses about what the Cybertruck might be doing in terms of voltage based on those before charging systems. So is this line yeah. up for you? Totally. This this seems uh, totally expected. I, I'm actually very pleased to see the nominal voltage over 800. I was really hoping it wouldn't be like a 730. So I'm really glad it's that high. And the way that I understand Tesla is doing their battery packs is they have four bricks of 200 volt bricks that then are wired in series. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is they can do a split pack configuration where when you plug it into existing charging infrastructure like version 2, version 3 superchargers, old 50 kilowatt DC chargers from, you know, like uh, old units that are still left around, some chargers, especially all superchargers today, can't output up to 1,000 volts. So the Cybertruck, rather than having an onboard booster, will actually split their battery pack into two. And so then you'll have essentially two 400-volt battery packs. That doesn't mean you can charge twice as fast. It doesn't mean anything other than really you have to have high current to get uh, fast charging. And it seems like the Cybertruck will be limited to around 250 kilowatt charging in this configuration. Again, that would only be on like a version 2 or version 3 supercharger would be the only one where that, that matters. There's no other high power charger that can't go up to a thousand volts. So, um, you know, with no question, this thing's going to max out on a ver three version three, 250 kilowatts when it gets into split pack. Mm-hmm. The thing is version four superchargers haven't been seen yet. Right, so the only the, thing at least go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. We've go seen ahead. the dispensers, but not the, the full setup yet. Right. So the cabinets, the actual chargers are mm-hmm. still version three, uh, superchargers hooked up to version four dispensers. And we keep a lot of this is us repeating ourselves, but some people only have watched one episode. And so, um, the fact that there is a, um, a future of version four chargers that we're unsure of yet. We don't know the full charging capabilities, the charging curve of the Cybertruck yet. And I do want to get into the curve in a little bit and talk about what I'm expecting. But we do know when it's operating in non-split pack, when it's all, you know, full 800 volt operation and you plug it into a version four future charger, Mm -hmm. Tesla uh, engineers have claimed 350 kilowatt charging. Okay. Which is right in line with Silverado EV, Hummer EV, Lucid Air. It's not anything mind-blowing. It's far less than some of the Chinese cars. (laughs) So it's not like it's 350 kilowatts in a truck these days. It's like, that's good, but it's not amazing. It's just Uh, meeting the kind of the benchmark that has been set. Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're we're seeing uh, uh, Lotus chargers doing 480 kilowatts in China, uh, Xiaoping Mm -hmm. stuff. 600 kilowatts. I mean, just big numbers. The China, I got to get over to China and see what the heck's going on. I don't know if they're just frying their battery packs on the first charge or what, but it seems awesome. Yeah. Okay. So that's a big deal. So we know the nominal rated voltage of the Cybertruck, 816 volts. And then we know this number right here, battery energy capacity, 150. 
150 kilowatts. I know. I was One, like, what's the unit? <laughs> it is not kilowatt hours. <laughs> it, no. It's actually amp hours. So okay. uh, the way to calculate this out is you would do 150 amp hours at the nominal voltage, which is 816, and you get 122,400 watt hours. So it's a 122 and a half kilowatt hour battery pack, which okay. completely aligns with the stated numbers in the early reviews of the Cybertruck saying 123 kilowatt hour battery pack. All right. So matching up here, what do you think about that battery pack size? Um, I will talk and share my thoughts on that uh, later on in this episode. Not, and not too long from now, uh, because I do have a lot of thoughts on, on that. Okay. But let's continue. So we know that it's a 123 kilowatt hour battery pack. Mm-hmm. We also know Tesla puts some buffers on their cars. Mm-hmm. So for example, Model S, um, you, you usually have like a three, three and a half to five kilowatt hour buffer below zero. Uh, that's hidden to the user. You can dive into it, but also as BMS sway happens, like you don't always get it all the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a hundred percent sure how the Cybertruck's going to be tuned. Uh, but my guess is you can pretty much rely on 115 to 118 kilowatt hours in usable operation that you'll be able to pull out of it. Now, in theory, this should be usable battery energy capacity, um, 123. So if you were to go from 100% to zero and go until the truck stops when it's new with no degradation and the BMS is calibrated, you may truly be able to get 122.5 kilowatt hours out of it. Um, And we'll try that as soon as we get one. I'm going to full charge it, drive it really slow to avoid heat loss in the battery pack and just go until it stops moving and see how much energy we pulled out of it. So that'll be interesting. And then we get to the battery-specific energy. Now, I'm not 100% sure what this number is, but I think just in the past, it's watt-hour per kilogram. So this is um, you know, sort of density, if you will. Hmm. And 170 watt-hour per kilogram is not as good as when I was just looking at the Model S um, 186 with the 2170 cells watt hour per kilogram. Hmm. So that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. So what is that telling you? Us. Maybe 4680 isn't as good as we think. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I think we've learned that from the Model Y. But right. um, yeah, so so you know, just to kind of peruse through this really quick, this dummy data. Um, you know, basically the dual motor and the tri motor Cybertruck. Um, uh, I guess submissions are pretty much the same. And so here we have uh, the curb weight, 6,669 pounds dry. Uh, actually, that may be with fluids, but there's not many fluids on the truck. So it's basically you know 6,700 pounds plus or minus for the dual motor. Mm-hmm. And then the tri-motor truck, I know we're not into the battery stuff, weighs a little bit more, 6,898 here. Okay. Uh, GVWR is the same, which means your payload actually in the tri-motor truck is slightly less than the dual motor truck. Mm -hmm. So that 2,500-pound payload is a rough number that Tesla quoted, uh, but it does change on each version because you have the same maximum GVWR that the truck can be, and it's Mm. uh, the same for both versions. Just It's very minor stuff, 100 pounds, 200 pounds. But something to to keep in mind. Definitely something to consider if that's one of the reasons that you're choosing between one or the other. Yeah, and honestly, most people put stuff in their trucks and they don't think about GVWR. They don't think, are they overweight? But where it really becomes a problem, of course, is if like you have an accident and there's an injury 
and like you know you don't you just don't want someone coming after you so i always recommend especially while towing and stuff like that make sure your tongue weights are set um you know you have low distribution hitches if you're over five thousand pounds just you know dot your i's cross your t's liability is is uh crazy so anyway uh in terms of the dummy data, they have literally nothing here. You can see recharge event voltage is 100. You're yeah. never charging a car at 100 volts. Um, you know, there's really nothing here uh, of, of, um, uh, of full data. Now, it does look like they did the test on November 2nd. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing they have another version of this document that's fully filled out. And what's so. interesting is they only filled this out for the two-cycle test. So you can see the the city UDDS mm-hmm. charge depleting, and then also the highway, highway test. So that could mean one of two things: the truck just performed better in a two cycle, uh, and they took the correction factor of 0.7, and they'll deliver the EPA test results on that. Or it is truly a dummy document, and they just didn't want the six or seven pages extra that they would have mm-hmm. to fill out for the multi cycle test that they could run it through. Hmm. Um, and so we just won't know until we get the filled out documents. So it's a little bit too early. Right. So this certification one, it can be done by the automaker themselves. They just have to follow the EPA guidelines and submit it to the EPA. But also, it tur- you know, I guess turns out that you don't have to. Maybe it's completed, but it's not public. But either way, this doesn't seem like the full it isn't the full information. But there are cyber trucks on the road. Uh, correct. And, you know, we're going to continue on about the battery in this episode, but I'm going to leave linked a Reddit thread as well that I just found right before we did the podcast that honestly, uh, is, is fantastic information and whoever wrote it, um, uh, I want to give them credit. It's, uh, uh, W U G Z. I think it was the original poster, um, oh. really, uh, covers a lot of the, like totally with it, understands EPA cert stuff, uh, went through and actually found the uh, coast down data from 30, 50, and 70 miles an hour between the Cybertruck, and then went through the documents to find the other vehicles as well. So found the um, actual rolling efficiency of them. And that doesn't mean total vehicle efficiency because a lot of it comes down to motors as well and how it goes under load. But it is cool to look at uh, coast down data whenever reading uh, reading through vehicle documents. So I encourage you to check a lot of that out. Awesome. So. Let's get back to the battery pack now in the Cybertruck. Uh, 4680s make up the mm-hmm. somewhat structural battery pack of the Cybertruck. Somewhat structural. Yeah. I mean, prim- mostly structural. It is strong. I mean, and I always say every battery pack is somewhat structural to the vehicle, but in this case, it really is. Um, but it's not unusual. I mean, like Hummer EV has a structural battery pack. So, like, okay, we got cool, cool engineering going on everywhere. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, 4680s, huge disappointment in the Model Y. Massive. Why? Um, and, and that's been documented greatly by our friend Brandon Flash, who owns one, who bought one just to try it out. And it's a great car. I mean, actually, Francie, you drove that exact car just yeah, recently. I sure and did. And we loved it. We thought yeah. it was comfortable and quiet. Extremely comfortable, smooth, quiet ride. Uh, it was unlike any other Model drive. Y I had been in. Honestly, we and we we even got out after borrowing it from Brandon. We're like, "What did you do?" And he said, "I didn't do one dang thing." So, it was a, yeah, it was a good one, a good egg. Yeah, so that was that suspension. Whatever's on his car, he got yeah. like comfort suspension plus. Because my mom's Model Y is a long range with their comfort suspension, and it still rides like it's on bricks. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I thought that car was awesome, except for when we plugged it into the charger. It at zero percent, it went whoop, and then pfft, that's just, true charges like crap it's the worst charging tesla on the market 
Hmm. And it was promised as the best sell during battery day. And I am not a cell expert. I'm the first one to tell anyone that. I know enough about battery cells to be dangerous, but not enough to really understand the differences. There's some very smart people online that I'd love to bring on this podcast to explain to us why 4680 sucks. And there's calculated mm-hmm. reasons as to why. And a lot of it has to do, I won't even try to explain what it is because I can't, but I'll, I'll try and arrange those podcasts for everyone. Yeah, that'll but be what great. we do know is Model Y 4680, not good. Tesla many times in their conversations said about Cybertruck said, this is the Gen 2 4680 cell. Mm, okay, so now what we have seen with the Model Y. They, it's a different cell. Yep, yeah. different cell than Model Y. Same form factor, different internals. Mm. What does that mean for performance? Tell me. We don't know. Oh we do God. know that the specific energy density seems worse than the Model S. Ah. Which, that's not a good sign, because I think that was supposed to get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I could be reading into that wrong. Someone smarter than me can comment uh, on, on watt hour per kilogram and why 4680 may be uh, you know, 170 versus 185 watt hour per kilogram is good. I don't think it is. It looks like it's worse. Uh, but again, I'm not a cell expert. What I am really comfortable and familiar with is charging. Mm-hmm. And so I saw a screenshot of a Cybertruck uh, at 69%, was it? Yep, so here we go. Actually, Colton, <laughs> this is funny. Colt, I was just on the Rivian forums and someone quoted yep, Colton's there you go. tweet. Yeah, let's just pull that up on Twitter here then. All so right. Colton, who runs the Aspect Detailing uh, channel, posted this thing charging at 69% at only 78 70. kilowatts. Mm. So let's just break this down Briefly, there's a number of reasons why it could be charging at 78 kilowatts other than the internal charging curve. And it's important that we talk about what those are. Right. I am guessing that this owner is supercharging his truck, which means he is not at a public charger, but at a Tesla supercharger. And the only reason I'm guessing that is because most of the early Cybertruck owners don't seem like enthusiasts. They don't seem like they know what the heck they're doing. No one's posting about it. There's like two people that are posting about it, and they just seem like, not to be rude, but like kind of clueless about the truck um, and, and like cars in general. So I'm like, can we get some reviewers to get this thing? So I'm guessing they're not one of those nerds like me who carry a CCS adapter to go publicly charge, but it's possible. You never so know. Possibility one, the charger can only do 78 kilowatts. That's the maximum it can do. Uh, possibility number two, they're on a version two supercharger where the truck is split packed to 400 volts and they're sharing with another car. Uh, and that is very much a real possibility that they were at Baker, which is a, a common version two charging site. And they would be hitting that on the way back from Texas mm-hmm. going to California. And they were only getting 78 kilowatts because a car was, you know, they may be on four a and someone's on four B. And not only the, would they be splitting the battery pack, but also sharing what can come out of that charger. Yeah, it's one 150-kilowatt roughly charger split to two. Typically, it's 72 to 75 kilowatts out, but mm-hmm. Cybertruck could be slightly higher voltage. The other car could have tapered a little bit. Sure. Could, you know, it's possible. All the right. next possibility is they were at a version 3 supercharger and the same thing happened. We all know version 3 superchargers are 360-kilowatt cabinets distributed to four ports but you never really see site-level load limitations because they also have a DC input 
from the other chargers on site so they can do site level load balancing to feed power from other chargers. Occasionally, you'll have an issue with the DC bus or you'll have a single version three cabinet um, where there's multiple cars and it'll pull you down. And so um, it's very rare, but it does happen, especially on busy superchargers where you could get pulled down. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we can use temperature as an excuse here because typically um, there is a message that says battery heating for optimal performance when you are, um, you know, obviously not at the correct temperature for maximum charge rates. That is not shown here. They've also added 61 kilowatt hours to the battery pack, Mm -hmm. which means it was a fairly deep charge to get to this point. They pulled in low. And I wish they took the screenshot when they were low on state of charge um, because then we could uh, see some peak speeds. Um, And then the last is that this really just does suck at charging. These are the options. 69% state of charge to only do 78 kilowatts. Not good. Again, we don't know if this is the actual curve, but I will say it's not like giving me extra confidence that this is going to charge well. Um, As an example, a... F-150 Lightning will be charging much quicker, about 150 kilowatts at this particular point in the charge curve, maybe 120 for the extended range, 130, somewhere around there. And uh, Porsche Taycan with a, not half, but a significantly smaller battery pack than this that came out in 2019 charges at over 200 kilowatts at 70%. Jeez Louise. And it's like, it's 2023. Fast charging, yo. That's the that's what's needed in this truck. The charging performance of the Cybertruck can make or break the truck for anyone wanting to use it for long distance mm-hmm. towing. Mm-hmm. I think this would be a huge disappointment if this was the charging curve. I mean, ju- huge disappointment. So just as an example, uh, in some quotes from Tesla engineers, we heard 15 to 85% in 20 minutes. Okay, from 69% to the charge limit of 80% shown here 11. is 11 minutes. There's so so things are not adding up They're from not. what was promised to what we're seeing here, which makes me think maybe it's just split charging and it's no issue and we shouldn't read into this too much. Um, and if they truly can do on a version four charger, 350 kilowatt charging and hold over 300 kilowatts for a significant, significant portion of the charging curve without thermal, uh, derating, mm-hmm. then they have themselves a monster. Then mm-hmm. that's when people will buy the truck and love the truck as an EV driver for a long time. And someone who uses EVs aggressively and hard and toes with them and takes them to tracks and do everything. Charging is the number one key performance I care about in an EV more than anything. And if it can't charge well, then I can't use the EV. I don't, I could give a crap about range, about acceleration, about handling if I can't onboard energy very quickly. And so I think in general, Tesla's have fallen behind in their charging performance. I say this as someone who owns a Model 3 Performance and a Model S Plaid. Um, I'm not like, a, I got a Tesla thing on my wall over here, right? I'm not against Tesla, but I do test most every new electric car in the market. And the charging performance of a lot of these third-party vehicles, Hyundai, Kia, Genesis, EGMP, mm-hmm. of course, Porsche, Taycan, e-tron, GT, and others, especially the Chinese cars, Lotus, Electra, huge charging performance, is far surpassing Tesla. And Mm -hmm. so I hope this is not an indication of what's to come for Cybertruck. 
Right. And, you know, we're not trying to speculate here, but we're just trying to read between the lines because, again, we don't have one to test ourselves. But it, it again, I think it would be really it would be shocking if they've gone through all this effort to try to make the Cybertruck with all this time, but also in general to be going, you know, not trending upwards, because like you said, this is the future of EV charging. If you can't onboard all that energy and we don't have the infrastructure, so you're already leapfrogging from charger to charger, you at least hope that those charging stops when you have to charge quickly are as quick as they possibly can be. So I do, I would love to get some battery experts on here to explain it. I mean, we need more information. If this is the curve, why on earth would they go this route? There must be some sort of benefit somewhere is what I'm hoping for, or they, I really think that they missed the mark here. We just, it's too little information to tell, but it certainly is not looking good based off of this. Yeah. So we'll of course be testing it as soon as we can. We'll be doing all the charge tests, all the, the everything else that I care about. But I'm worried, based off of Model Y performance, now using that same cell in Cybertruck, it does encourage me to hear Tesla say 20 minutes from 15 mm-hmm. to 85%. 85 is quite high. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's really good in 20 minutes or 21 minutes, whatever they said. Um, but or this is not just, looking good. This, this, this is not reflecting that at all. So either what they're saying is untrue or what we're seeing is not the whole picture. Well, that's our Yeah, so what what could be, I was actually on a podcast with my friend Chris uh, Dirty Tesla last night about this. Right. They could have launched the trucks in sort of a, a limited mode and then they can open it up later on. Uh, but there's no guarantee. Like we can only review the stuff that's in on the road today. So if we get right. one uh, and it has a certain level of charging performance, well, that's what we'll go by until we test another one that is either better or worse with different software in the future. Anyway, the charging is the most important part of this car. If anyone from Tesla Engineering is watching this, which I know they checked out some of our other videos. Thanks for watching, guys. Uh, Like 100% uh, make this thing charge like a monster. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. Yeah. On to the battery capacity. 123 kilowatt hours. Yes, I asked you earlier, what do you think about this, Kyle? I still want to know. That is exactly half the battery I want in my truck. Mm, Okay. So tell me why, because, you know, obviously there's a lot of added weight. There's, so why, why do you want it double the size? We also said that the energy density wasn't what we wanted it to be based off the information that we have too, right? And energy density, sure. When you have a truck, it doesn't matter so much because you have a lot of room to put things in, put battery cells in. So, okay. Maybe that's an okay compromise. Um, the competition, Hummer EV, Silverado EV, have roughly 212 to 213, I think I pulled 213 out of them, kilowatt hour usable battery packs. Mm-hmm. That is almost 100 kilowatt hours more than what you're getting in the Cybertruck. And um, those are less efficient vehicles, but they are going to go farther. Silverado EV is a 450 mile EPA range rating. Mm-hmm. And when I was driving one, I haven't done a range test on it yet. Uh, actually, they never put them in the press fleet. But um, when I was driving it, I did do a 70 mile per hour cruise and log the efficiency. And it was better in pretty bad conditions than the EPA certification was. Mm-hmm. So I think if you hyper mile, even not even hypermile. If you just drive gently in a Silverado EV, you will get 500 miles. Hmm. Wow. And which that's is what pretty cool. Tesla had originally hoped for their range uh, in terms of miles is over 500 miles for the tri-motor all-wheel drive. They said for the dual motor all-wheel drive, it was going to be over 300. And then for the single motor all, or rear wheel drive, 
over 250, but they uh, they didn't, and everyone probably knows this, hit those marks whatsoever. They under they they oversold and under under delivered on that portion. So um, obviously, this battery size plays into that. Yeah, but keep in mind, like if Tesla wanted to make a Cybertruck that went a thousand miles on a charge, they can. They could just dump a ton of batteries in it. Um, so there's an obviously calculated reason as to why they wanted a roughly 120 kilowatt hour pack. And it may just come really? down to the average customer use case. Yeah, anyone, any company could make the longest range EV in the world. It's just how do you do it smartly? GM definitely took the word efficiency and threw it out the window and just dumped a ton of batteries and weight and excess and everything into their vehicles. And I love them for that, but that's dumb. That's dumb range. Uh, and and uh, Peter Rawlinson at Lucid always says smart range and dumb range. Uh, Lucid and Tesla do smart range. GM does very dumb range. I love it though. Hummer EV is like, you know, you're just, you know, I don't know. We don't need to go down that route. But I there is a, a thing about that truck that's just so cool because it's it just ignores everyone and it's blatantly excessive. Is that sustainable? Is that a way to ramp a company? Is that way to build profits in a vehicle? No. Not at all. That's a showpiece of technology. And I think for most users of Cybertruck, 120 kilowatt hour battery pack is going to be more than fine. Most Cybertruck owners, especially in the early years, are probably, and again, it's hard to generalize because everyone from every walk of life has the opportunity to buy this. And I'm sure we'll see many use cases out of the average. But I think there's certainly a group of people and probably the the majority group of people that are going to look at this truck and say, okay, I drive a Model 3 or a Model X. I'm going to bump up into the Cybertruck. It's going to be my daily commuter. I might tow around town. I might go up to the lake house and stop once or twice at a supercharger very quickly, and you're fine. Very few people are doing what I'm doing, which is putting 10,000 pounds on the back of an electric truck and driving across the country. Uh, and, the, and and that's just like still like just drive a diesel is, is my impression. Now, we are going to do a whole nother episode on the range extender, if mm-hmm. that's a viable option, if that's something that is um, that you should even consider or think about or even comment with on this video. And my answer, my quick answer to you right now is Tesla has proven that we cannot trust them until they deliver a product. And right. since that is not a deliverable product, it doesn't exist. Cybertruck does exist because they have delivered it. Mm-hmm. And so let's not cross our fingers for this range extender that I will go in detail as to how many hurdles they'll have to go over to get it installed and as a sellable product. It's not impossible, but is it practical? We'll talk about a lot of that. That's the part I'm actually least excited about, about the whole truck. But in terms of battery capacity, I just think um, you know if it was 170 kilowatt hours or 150, 60 kilowatt hours, I'd feel a lot more comfortable. What do you think, Francie? Um, I mean, you're talking about dumb range and smart range. And mm, I think I think range is really important, uh, especially to consumers, whether or not people disagree with whether or not that should be making or breaking your decision on which EV to buy. But I think off the bat, that is a great selling point. And I mean, I don't know, you, you, you're like, well, Tesla, their engineers, they did this for a reason, smart range versus dumb range. But why, and I'm not trying to dwell on the past, but why give that that range estimate in 2019 if you're not going to try to hit it a, even in a smart way? So I don't know. I, I'm just a little bit confused there. Uh, but I, mm, I do think that they could have done better here compared to the other 
offerings on the market in terms of battery size with the they go for the truck the biggest option that they have and uh the battery is just not as big as it was expecting so i mean as we were kind of expecting and what is we know is possible so Uh, certainly possibility it could be larger and maybe they'll have a big battery version in the future maybe they'll scrap this range extender and say actually we'll just offer a larger battery maybe that's what i would suggest they do I mean, yeah, I think putting a range extender in the trunk of your of your EV is, I mean, it's a silly idea. Yeah, the, the yeah, we'll do a whole episode on it. We will. I, I I would get it if they offered it because I want I want towing range, but you just lose practicality. It adds, you know, it's going to add at least eight hundred to a thousand pounds yeah. off of your payload. So mm-hmm. add weight to the truck. It's going to make it handle worse. It's, it's going to give you worse efficiency. Like there's no benefits. It's not um, a seamless integration into the system. It's very un-Tesla. And yeah. and I don't want to talk too much about it in this episode. But what I will say is if you look at Rivian with a roughly same size battery pack in the large battery pack variant, mm-hmm. um, you know, my truck is actually slightly more efficient than the than the Cybertruck is going to be. It's also a smaller truck. Um, and that's just looking initially at the numbers. We'll have to run them side by side to mm-hmm. see on, on a similar tire to see what they do. Again, um, one thing we should mention about Cybertruck range, we're not sure if they the EP or the estimated range figures on the website are with the 20-inch, maybe they're both 20-inch, are with the all-terrains or the all-seasons. And mm-hmm. we do know that the all-terrain tires are going to consume a lot of juice. And my guess is the reason Marquez's screenshot uh, calculated out to just about 300 miles or 294 miles on a full charge is because he had the all-terrain option and what Tesla quoted range with was on the all-season road tires, which hmm. is 340. So I think uh, I think if you get a Cybertruck with the tires it should have, you're going to be at you know 295 to 305 mile EPA range. And then of course we all know that they run the multi-cycle test in history and they apply a pretty crazy correction factor to it. And so um, it's very hard to achieve those numbers in real life. So you're looking at 250 miles of real world, 100 to 0% range. Hmm. And not enough. Yeah. Cause isn't the Tesla model X long range, um, uh, battery c- capacity, like a hundred kilowatt hours. Yep. So just to kind of put that in perspective, you know, you go for this the is a much bigger vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, but not, I, it doesn't seem proportional, the scaling to me. Totally. Yeah. It's like they, they went and, and we said this from the beginning too, like Tesla's going to put the smallest battery they can yeah. in the cyber truck to sell it. Yeah. And it seems like that's exactly what they did here. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, I wish they, had like a very expensive, huge battery option that only the power users would get, hmm. which would be like me and Chris Dirty Tesla and a few other guys who actually want to use their trucks for like long distance, heavy loads and stuff. And maybe they will in the future. But, um, you know, that actually I'm like, uh, you know, if the charging performance looks as poor as that screenshot did and it really has limited capacity then it might actually be a better tow truck to get a uh, a Silverado EV because those charge at 365 kilowatts. Hmm. We got to get all of these EV trucks back to back to back to back to back. We will, and Motor Trend will, and Edmonds will, and everyone yeah. will. And that's going to be the topic of 2024 is EV trucks. And it's going right. to be epic. <laughs> and I can't wait. Uh, but it's still swing. early days. 
I have to say, like, just towing with my Rivian was such a pain in the ass across the country. I mean, I will never do it again with that truck. It really sucked. And it's not like Cybertruck is is coming at me like saying it's going to be so much better because I think the range while towing is going to be the same, which means it's about 1% for one mile of highway speeds with not even a very heavy trailer. So that's 100 miles of driving while towing. I mean, there are some people towing, towing, towing with EVs and long distances. You're not the only one. So I think this is definitely something to keep an eye on, whether it's long or short distances. If you're just going to have no chance doing what you need to do, towing with an EV, what, what are EV trucks for? Just for fun. Yeah, I don't know. And then we have to see the integration of the range extender, which a whole episode's coming. So that's a little insight onto the battery pack of the Cybertruck from my side. We know the 122.4 kilowatt hour uh, capacity now. We know the operational voltage. We went through the split pack down to 400 volts, which is great technology. Actually, uh, Volkswagen Group PPE does the same thing. Um, so we'll see that on on future variants from, from their models. Um what else should we say about it? It just seems like uh, Tesla put the smallest battery they could in it to sell it. And I think that's going to be the range and charging is the most important part of the truck. And it might be the most underperforming part of the truck is I, a sad expectation. I, I, I got, you know, I think we were pretty doubtful here, which is fine based off of the information that we have, but we don't have the full picture. So I'm just keeping that in mind that there's room to be pleasantly surprised, but um, we're working with the information that we have. <clears throat> Who has a cyber truck? Um, so <laughs> yeah, get us a truck to test someone. <laughs> so we can stop guessing uh, for real though. We also are still reading your comments about what you're interested in, uh, learning more about. Y'all have a lot of really great questions that uh, really dig in deep into the details. So thank you so so much for participating in the discussions, for adding your input, and for asking your questions. I love good questions, and I'm noting them all down. So thanks everyone for tuning into the Out of Spec Podcast. Thank you, Kyle, for coming in and reading through all of those documents to break them down for us. And we will see you next time on the Out of Spec Podcast. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.